everyone, this is Tom. Just wanted to let everyone know that we're having some technical difficulties with our microphone at the moment. So if this episode isn't the highest quality, we do apologize. We're working on it. We'll have the microphone back up by next week. There we go. Mm -hmm. That being said, Mm -hmm. you've got George. You've got Tom. You've You've got got another another podcast coming. coming. Cheers, George. Cheers, Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so this beer is amazing. Yep. So this comes from our native homeland of New York, from the good folks at the Captain Lawrence Brewing Company, who've teamed up with the fine people at Snyder's of Hanover, you know, the pretzel company. Oh, yeah. To make Snyder beer, which is pretzel marzen. And I got to say, man, this is one hell of a beer. It tastes amazing. Mm. And. It's got the all of the great characteristics of a good autumn wheat beer mm. that you'd enjoy around Oktoberfest. But like you said, that little bit, that collab with Snyder's gives that little bit of pretzely taste. And that's pretty unique for a beer. It's dark. It's almost salty in a way because it's actually brewed with the pretzels that Snyder's makes. And I think that's incredible. It is exactly the type of beer where if you're at home munching down on sourdough nibblers, then you would want this. And just so everyone's aware, no, we're not sponsored by Snyder's this episode, (laughs) but they are one of my favorite snacks. Yeah. And listen, it's just interesting to talk about when you see a beer doing a collaboration with a snack brand, because how often do you see that? And it's not the first time that Captain Lawrence has done something like that. So they had some Carvel collaborations and they did a fudgy the whale beer it was like a chocolate stout i remember that you and me actually shared one of those that was like... oh yeah we did back <laughs> in the day yeah. yeah so captain lawrence they come up with some real fascinating creations i don't know if they distribute widely but if you're ever in the area uh the vicinity of elmsford new york look them up because they're Uh, Seasonal releases are not to be missed. Mm, Certainly not, my friend. Okay, so, George, let's uh, introduce the subject of today's episode. Of course. We're going to take you through the stories of songs that are on the set list for the 50 Heavy Metal Years Tour over the course of the next few episodes. We already talked about One Shot at Glory last week, which made its surprise debut in the opening slot of the set. But it's not the only song that is being played for the first time. There's also a long-forgotten classic from the 1978 album Stained Class, and this is called Invader. So, George, tell us a little bit about Invader. So, One Shot at Glory had to wait quite a while in order to get its moment in the sun since 1990, but that wasn't as far back as Priest was willing to dig. No, they went all the way back to 1978 for Invader, a song that waited four decades before it could get its chance to shine. And that is honestly really interesting like you would think that a band like judas priest with over 200 songs 
and at least a dozen hits that they have to play at almost every concert wouldn't have the time or the interest to go back and dig up a forgotten gem like Invader. And that's just one of the things that makes this band special when they can really surprise you like that. One thing I really love about Invader is that you can tell that this was part of their transition period when they were going from a more progressive rock band into a metal band because Invader is much more aggressive and much heavier than their previous outings. It's not quite a metal song, but it is definitely some hard rock and roll, I would say. It definitely fits in well with what the band was doing at the time. It definitely fits in well in the context of the album it was on, Stained Class. And it's a song that just, it, it has a driving beat to it. Speaking of which, it's a great driving song. <laughs> oh yeah, I said that earlier. That was, um, that's one thing. You can definitely see yourself cruising down the highway with the sunroof open, just blaring that song, especially the live version, mm -hmm. which I think they have pulled it off in spectacular fashion. Sure. Well, it was you who said, I think, that they're tuning to D in their more recent years. And the way that the riff at the beginning, it was groovy on Stained Class, but now it sounds like it has a nice chunk to it in the live form that it exists in today. It does. And one thing I like about it is you're not just hearing the album version, you're hearing the, their interpretation of the song as it exists in their minds today. And one of the favorite things, uh, you know, as a former musician myself, one thing I love about detuning is that it is the perfect heavy metal tuning because you can get some seriously heavy riffs out of it without having to modify your guitar to tune down to B or A. It's And it suits Judas Priest's sound really well. Their songs sound just as good in D as they did in E when they were originally recorded. Sure. Now, Priest, obviously, they've gotten heavier over the years. You know, you think of Rockerola and the evolution to British Steel, then to Painkiller, and then all the way forward to Firepower. So think about the way Firepower sounds, and the studio version of Invader would just sound radically different if they tried to play it on stage as it is. So they've given the song a little bit of a reworking to make it fit in better with the way that the band sounds in the year 2021. And that's definitely one of the things I like is that they've really brought it up. They've modernized it almost. It sounds extremely fresh. You know, if I had heard that song from a different band, I would say, oh, this is really good. This sounds, you know, like something I could really get behind. And this is what I'm really excited about as they do their 50 Years of Heavy Metal tour, that they are bringing back these songs that haven't been heard live before, and they're now fresh in people's minds, and hopefully they go back and check out the originals, but now you've got them playing these songs live, 
And it's just really exciting, I think. Yes, they're really digging deep for the 50 Heavy Metal Tour. Uh, I'm sorry, the 50 Heavy Metal Years Tour. And I hope that they have even more surprises in the set list on their future dates. More songs that they'll resurrect from the grave. And, you know, honestly, if I think it's so appropriate for a tour like this, where they're supposedly taking a look back at all their years of history and trying to represent a picture of the band as a whole. And this song is Priest as much as Living After Midnight is Priest and any other song that gets played in the set way more often. But now it's kind of interesting that some of these other songs get their chance to shine because realistically, how many times can you hear the same songs over and over yeah, you know, this is something that I've talked about too. We actually actually you and me have talked about this in the past is I feel like a lot of bands have just massive discographies, 10, 12 albums and there's songs that they've never played live and they just stick with their hits that they know people go nuts for. It's boring though. You know, a band like Priest can draw from any time in their history and they could do a different set list every single show for the rest of their lives. I think it's really wonderful what they're doing. I think it's honestly fantastic. Like, Don't get me wrong. You've got your staples. You've got Living After Midnight. You've got Painkiller. You've got another thing coming. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's really fun to see them digging into their catalog. And I am personally really excited for when we see them next month. Hell yeah, my man. That's going to be so great. Yeah. Well, what, what my hope is, is that we will get to hear something that maybe no one else has heard yet on that tour, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know, Richie has said as much that they're rehearsing other songs and they're just waiting for the right time to unveil something new. And maybe if we get lucky, we'll get to see one of those other songs they're rehearsing. I'm not going to lie. I would love to hear them play Dreamer Deceiver live. That is a song that really needs to come back. Mm, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I That is one of my favorite pre-metal priest songs, I would say. I mean, we already did an episode about it. We did. And, okay, if we did an episode, that clearly means the band needs to listen to us and start composing their set list like we tell them to. <laughs> no shit. They should put us in charge. Right? Nah, I... I that would be the end of Priest. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about music. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'll leave that to um, people who are more intellectually curious than I am. <laughs> so, let's take you through Invader. So, this is a very interesting song that does sort of stand apart from uh, the way Priest has written music in their later years. Invader starts out with a strange echoing noise effect for the first 25 seconds. Then the bass thump comes in. 
and then you finally get the beat and the guitar riff after 36 seconds. So this is a song that builds and you don't start getting a feel for it until you're already a minute or two in. It's a staple of Priest to have some sort of intro with some sort of mysterious, ominous noise in the background. Think of Metal Gods. And then they come out with that amazing guitar riff. Right. You know, that echoing noise effect at the beginning, uh, personally, I could take it or leave it. Mm. I think you have to consider the reason it's there. It's because Invaders is the fifth song on Stained Class. You're about halfway through the album. The songs right before it are pretty fast. So that noise at the beginning of Invaders, it was probably something the band put in as a short interlude for the listeners to sort of get a break, which was not an uncommon thing to do in the days of analog music, records and cassettes, when people had to listen to the songs in order. But it almost feels like this could have been the first song on the album, at least by today's standards, where an intro like that, you know, every band has an album that starts with a non-musical intro almost. Yup. That's or, common. Or but, at least one that doesn't um, that doesn't take off immediately. Right. That's common as your opener, just like you said. And this being the fifth track, being halfway through the album, it probably was put in place just to give listeners a break. And we've talked about this before mm. with Black Sabbath doing Embryo and those other 30-second tracks mm. on their early albums. I guess that back in the day, since all of this was so new, people probably needed a break. I can almost imagine something like this being a kind of sensory overload to the uninitiated. Sure. And this is 1978. Mm. This is pre-Iron Maiden, well, at least before they had any albums. This is pre-Slayer. This Judas Priest stuff was as heavy as it got back then. Isn't it amazing to think about that, considering some of the bands we have today, that at one point, Priest had to be the heaviest band that you could get your hands on, and heavy metal over the course of its history has been almost like a competition to get the heaviest sounding music that you can. And I think that's a race that will never end, quite frankly. Yeah, I... And I don't want it to end. I'm actually very interested to see how, what kind of direction you can still take metal in. In the last five years or so, I've been really fascinated with the innovation that's come from the genre. And, you know, take it full circle, man. Priest were one of the first early innovators, and they set up that tradition of exploration and pushing boundaries. You're absolutely right. And... You have to imagine that it's that sort of pioneering bravery that created the heavy metal spirit that newer, younger bands look at, and they try and do things the same way. A complete disregard for the rules, 
They're going to play it the way they want. And that's how you try new things and discover a new sound. And that is the real heavy metal spirit. Truly. And I remember one of our previous episodes, you brought up a really good point, is that there was no blueprint at the time. This was all unexplored territory. Um, You know, it's like back in the day when maps used to say, here be dragons, and Priest was at the forefront of that, taking this full speed ahead. I have to say, the chorus and the bridge on this song really get stuck in my head after a few lessons. Which is shocking, because it's one of those choruses that you can really belt behind it. Like you see, you hear it live, and you can tell the whole crowd is singing along with it, which is su- why it's so surprising that Invader just made its live debut this year. Yeah, like you said, I think there's a fairly simple but a really great melody that people can latch onto pretty quickly. It's not a particularly demanding song to learn. It's Invader, Invading Your Life. I mean, anyone can sing that. Yeah, it's the kind of chorus that the entire audience can pick up on it immediately and start yelling back at the band, you know? Yeah, that's the best part of the song, along with the along with the bridge, when they come to take control. You know, I find those parts so catchy, and Rob's delivery is amazing. He's just belting it out with all the power in his heart. And those are, quite frankly, the highlights of the song for me. And if those parts weren't there, I don't think the song would necessarily be anything special. Yeah, you can definitely hear it in this song that the metal Judas Priest is really starting to take root. This is definitely, I guess you would probably call it like a prototype almost. Yeah, so why did it take so long for this song to get its day? I think that Invader is a pretty solid track that kind of gets lost in the middle of Stained Class. Uh, It's on an album that's just honestly really fantastic start to finish, and Invader ends up just being another song on that album. It gets overlooked in favor of the other songs like Exciter, Beyond the Realms of Death, saints in hell that have just a little bit more going on but that's not to say there isn't value in invader this is honestly a pretty cool track in its own right yeah and i think that's why they've chosen to add it to their list this tour because they understand that there's a lot of value in this song and you know Especially, yeah, you got to also consider that they've had a 50-year career. They've had fans for as long as that. And they've been showing up to their shows year after year, decade after decade. It's as much for them as it is for the new audience. Being 
Imagine being an old fan of Judas Priest and finally getting to hear one of these songs because Invader has got to be someone's favorite song. Sure. And now they get to hear it live. I bet that blows someone's mind. Oh, absolutely. Could you imagine being at the Bloodstock show where it's the very first 50 heavy metal year tour date and you have no idea what they're going to play and just going in blind and getting songs you never expected to hear? Yeah, I'm shocked that they have like Rockarola on that list, which is going to be the subject of another episode. That's our next episode. Yeah, boy. I'm really excited to talk about that one. That's Me definitely too. one of my favorite old school priest songs. Something that you may not have known about Invader, it's one of the very few songs where Ian Hill gets a writing credit. No shit. There's this one, and then two more on the Rock and Roll album, and that's it. Oh, three songs, huh? Yep, everything else is some combination of Halford, Tipton, Downing, and Faulkner for the newer albums. Yeah. Oh, so this song actually has something that is entirely unique about it, is Ian Hill had his writing credit attached to it. Sure. And you know what? I bet that's probably why the first thing you hear after the uh, intro noise is the bass thump coming in. Hey man, Hill needs a chance to show off his chops. The dude is an incredible bass player. He's been with sure. the band since pretty much the beginning, right? Yeah. You and don't stay with a band like Priest if you aren't a stellar player. Yep. From what I've read about the songwriting process, Ian Hill gets a lot of say in the parts that he plays, but I think he doesn't get a songwriting credit because he's not writing full songs. Yeah. Like the bulk of the melody and the bulk of the song yeah. that's going to Tipton Downing. Yeah, you know, I was in a band like that where, you know, by the time I joined, most of the material had already been written, but I did have some autonomy to modify the parts that I was playing as I saw fit, and I'm imagining this is kind of a similar situation where he gets to decide, okay, well, what if I played it like this, or what if I changed this and did it like this instead? Sure. Yep. He's probably writing bass parts, but he's not writing full songs, yeah. I guess. And, and you know what? The man seems 100% content well, in that. Sure. He's had a long career. Uh, he is pretty special in the sense that he's the only original member of Priest. That is insane, dude. Think about that. Even Halford's not an original. Yep. Well, Hill was there before Tipton, Downing, Halford, and anyone else. What is it with bass players being the only consistent members of bands? You know, Mayhem has that same problem, too. You know, when you play the bass, you have to be steady, you have to be consistent, and maybe that flows into a bass player's personality mm -hmm. where they can be dependable and they can be the rock of the band. Yeah, you know, come to think of it, like, a truly good, talented bass player is a, a hard thing to find, especially when, you know, you've got someone who really knows what they're doing on the instrument. They're in high demand. Drummers and bassists are actually a pretty hot commodity most of the time. Sure. A lot of times you'll just end up with a guitar player saying, oh, well, screw it. I can play the bass yeah. if I can't find a bass player. And you, I'm sure they get the job done just fine, but... 
when you have someone who specializes on the instrument yeah. and dedicates themselves to it, they sort of have a little bit better idea of what a song needs and the unique complexities of the bass. So it gives them that sort of wherewithal to uh, really perfect what they do because they're not focusing on learning multiple instruments. Yeah, and that's exactly the thing. You know, any guitar player can pick up a bass and be serviceable on the instrument, but to find a truly skillful bassist is a rare thing, I would say. Mm -hmm. And Ian Hill clearly falls into that category of just solid, dependable, you can count on him to get the job done. I've never heard him make a mistake live. Yeah. He's really just terrific at what he does, and... Like I said, he's the only original member of Priest, mm -hmm. so you can't really imagine the band without Ian Hill. Yeah. And that's, like I said, a man with three songwriting credits to his name, but his contributions to Priest were extremely important in other ways. Yeah. Well, you know, especially being the only original member, you know, that's funny. I, di I didn't know that before this podcast, so. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Well, that's what I'm here for because, you know, I want to be a bigger fan than I already am. So this is a good learning opportunity for me as well. Hey, I'll drink to that. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Any any further thoughts on Invader, Tom? No, I think that covers just about everything I wanted to say about that track, honestly. I yeah. think we covered pretty much everything that we wanted to in this one. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good song. If they're still keeping it in the set list by the time the tour reaches us in New Jersey, I am going to love belting out that chorus. So I'm excited to see what other surprises the band has in their set list for the future tour dates, whether they're bringing in another song that's never been played, or maybe bringing back a song that had a long hiatus, like the one we're discussing in the next episode, Rock of Rolla. So until then, dear listeners, stay locked in. And keep defending the faith.